a long time ago on a podcast far, far away. Star Wars with Aaron and Polly, Episode 8, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord walk into a bar. Across galaxies they struggle. Balin's skull seeks ancient power while Shen Hadi retreats in defeat. Ahsoka Tano, Sabine Rand, and Ezra Bridger must summon all their courage to face the ultimate test of their abilities against the dark forces of Grand Admiral Thrawn as the heir to Empire makes good his departure to a galaxy far, far away. And this is Paul. This is Wayne. So I get a lot of uh, spam calls and whatnot. And generally, I won't answer the phone if, you know, it says spam or telemarketer or if it's even a phone number that I don't recognize. I generally won't answer the phone unless my wife is out of the house. And, you know, you just never know if something happens, you know, yada, yada. So I answer the phone. Phone, you know, phone rings. I don't know who, what the number is, so I answer the phone, and uh, I get this. You know, it's that it's that pause after you've you know, hello, and then this pause, 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 and you can hear him come on the line as the call's been routed to a live agent, and the guy says, um, "Aaron Head," and I said, "Sure," and he says, uh, "Is this Aaron Head?" and I said, "Sure," and so the third time he says. Um, can I get a yes or no on that? And I said, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and there, he gets he gets so irritated with me. This goes on. I mean, every question he asks me, I'm just giving him sure. Never identifies himself. I have no idea what this call's about. Finally, he hung up on me. I made a telemarketer or wh- whoever the hell this guy was hang up on me. It was great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> sure. <sighs> That's almost how we started this podcast, frankly. That's right. Sure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Aaron, do you want to talk about Transformers this week? Uh, you know, sure. I'd like to point out, and we, we maintain an ongoing uh, podcast chat about what we're going to talk about, what we need to be familiar with, all that kind of stuff. And Paul drops Tuesday night, maybe? He says, hey, Transformers number one comes out this week. Brand new comic book. We have to we have to talk about it on uh, your, your new favorite hit podcast, Star Wars with Aaron and Polly. And I'm like, um, I don't see that. I don't know how that's in scope for the brand of this podcast. And Paul says, oh, sure, it relates. <laughs> of course. And it does. so Wayne and I showed up specifically today <laughs> to see how Paul connects this. To a galaxy far, far away. Paul, take it away. 
Okay. Well, one. Uh huh. <laughs> Before I get into the connections, um, really, uh-huh. this is a nice segue to remind everyone. Is it? Is it a nice we, segue? <laughs> it, that, that we have a partner podcast, Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, that if you're listening to this through the Star Wars with Aaron and Polly feed, check out Funny Books with Aaron and Polly because we have comics conversation like the one we're about to have. Uh-huh. So it's a nice segue in between the podcasts. Sure. You know, as we wrap up Ahsoka season one, and you know, I don't think we're gonna hop back into an immediate Star Wars conversation. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk funny books for a little bit, and then of course we'll be back with some more Star Wars chat. Um, you know, that that you all want to hear on your favorite Star Wars podcast. However, while there is no official connection between Star Wars and Transformers, obviously. There's a lot of influence on Transformers from Star Wars, um, you know, that in the Generation 1 cartoon, a lot of Star Wars character designs were slipped into the backgrounds or they use Star Wars f- sound effects and animation. There's um, even episodes where they slipped in like a C-3PO or an R2-D2 looking droid um, in the backgrounds of of, of episodes. Um, they've they've made references to movie actors who are similar to Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Like there's a lot of influence in I would say on the cartoon stuff. Um, are we gonna talk ET next week because ET was in a uh, we might background we scene might Star Wars. ET's in canon I would say. Um, you know I mean there's stuff like that. There's a lot of just influence right. Uh, and and Star Wars the movie was marketed as conceived in the epic tradition of Star Wars. So and. I'm uh, on. Oh no, this is the Transformers. I'm on the Transformers wiki page, and there's a whole page about the connections in Star Wars, including the crossover toy line. And, I, I was and about to say you, you could have called out the crossover toy line because yeah. I do have some of those. Yeah. So there's, I mean, there there are connective threads throughout the two. Now, obviously, no incontinuity stuff, but there's a lot of influence. There's a lot of background Easter eggs, that kind of thing, where 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 they kind of speak to each other. So all in all, you had no other topic for this week. Well, no, we did, because I will say we tossed out a topic. Well, I tossed out a topic of talking about our least favorite Star Wars movie. But um, I just, you know, but with Transformers coming out this week, it's such a big comic book release. And we haven't really spoken about comic books in eight weeks. Um, except, except talking about Micronauts last week, right? Except for we haven't talked about recent comics in eight <laughs> weeks. I mean, a comic release in 1979 that doesn't count, Aaron. <laughs> well, maybe maybe you caused it. Maybe you inspired me to talk more about comic books, and thus I felt motivated to talk about Transformers number one from Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer from Image Comics. I don't mm-hmm. know, Paul. I don't know. I'm feeling good about it. I'm feeling oh, good about oh. it. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, talk to me about this comic book that I bought and read half of. Oh, no, Aaron, you only read wow. half of it? Yeah, I didn't care for it. But I, I, in all fairness, the only Transformers comic prior to this that I've ever read was the Transformers Star Trek crossover. Yeah, you know, so where, maybe where the Enterprise becomes a Transformer. Yeah. So spoiler warnings, we'll talk about Transformers on our Star Trek podcast, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's an actual connective thread there. Uh-huh. 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 Well, you know, so Aaron, obviously this, you know, this was not your book. Um, 
which I'm sorry to hear, but I'm, I'm very because Wayne is the Transformers super fan of the group. I am a yes. big Transformers guy. I, I enjoyed Generation One. I actually like most of. I shouldn't say most. I like a few of those Michael Bay Transformers movies. I like the more recent non-Michael Bay Transformers movies. Um, I grew up reading the Transformers comics, you know, toys, that kind of thing. But I, you know, it's one of those things that my fandom has not held in the same way as it has with Star Wars, right? So I haven't followed it through the many iterations of Beast Wars and Beast Machines and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I, on the other hand, have hundreds of the toys a couple of statues, uh, have read a bunch of the comic books, follow quite a few of the uh, the YouTubers that talk about it. I'm a huge Transformers fan. All right. Transformers super fan here. Yep. Well, and so this Transformers number one, and one of the reasons we're talking about him is Robert Kirkman, you know, creator of The Walking Dead and Invincible and a bunch of stuff that you probably are aware of. Um, you know, he runs Skybound Comics, which is an imprint of Image Comics. They acquired the the Transformers, the Hasbro licenses, so Transformers and G.I. Joe, and they have started this Energon universe. Um, it started in a creator-owned title called, called Void Rivals, but this is a complete reboot of the continuities of Transformers and G.I. Joe in comic books. Now, what's cool is they're still publishing old continuity G.I. Joe comics. The uh, Larry Hama stuff still continues to this day um, with new issues. So they're keeping that, but they're also doing this brand new continuity. Um, and that really kicked off in stride today, this week with Transformers number one. Wayne, yeah, this what is, did you think? I really enjoyed the book. This is very G1 inspired. Right down to the Ark crash. They've been stuck there for, I don't think it actually says, but it'll be millions of years that they've been stuck, buried in a mountain. Uh, they are, the Ark is just now, you know, freed in the mountain so you can see it. And uh, Jetfire that we saw over in Void Stalkers. Uh, Void Rivals. Void Rivals has come to help revive them. So, Wayne, since I had to ask this question earlier in the week, talk to us about G1. G1 is what's generally referred to as the for the original continuity. Generation one is a combination of the comics and the original cartoon. And, and the, the Marvel comics that those. were published around the same time as the Star Wars comics. Just saying. Yep. <laughs> Basically, those very 80s designs and that continuity is what's considered G1. Gotcha. Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised when uh, they announced the book and they showed some of the characters that were going to be in it that we didn't have Bumblebee as one of the main characters. And we find out why pretty quickly when he gets his face shot off. Yeah, Starscream brutally destroys his face. Pretty fantastic. Yeah, I I like that this take why there's only a few of them that they're trying to revive. But the Decepticons basically have the arc. That's something I haven't seen in different continuities before. Uh, as a wrestling fan, I found it amusing to see Optimus Prime do a back body suplex on Starscream. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so Daniel Warren Johnson, who's the the guy who's writing and drawing this book, um, one of the things that really attracted me to this book besides the fact that it's transformers and I do love the transformers is that Daniel Warren Johnson has also done some stellar work for DC comics and Marvel comics, including uh, a recent beta Ray bill uh, miniseries that we all 
enjoyed Wonder Woman Dead Earth, which was a great Wonder Woman um, black label comic that that Wayne and I read and really enjoyed. So and he you know, he did the Jurassic League for uh, for DC Comics. I did not read that one, um, but he's he's got some real talent and clearly loves playing with giant robots and monsters and and, and things like that. So I, I, I was excited about this book. And I will say, Wayne, I actually really, really enjoyed it. I think it is. Um, I think there's a lot there for old school fans like us, like us, to grab onto. Um, you know, the design of the ship, the you know, the character designs are all all classics. They didn't. I mean, they didn't really Michael Bay up any of this. Like the character designs are the the G1 character designs. Um, but at the same time, it is a complete reboot of the continuity from scratch. Um, so it's, I, I think it's new reader friendly as well. Yeah. And I'm surprisingly violent. <laughs> I'm curious when it's supposed to be set based on the vehicle designs. I think it's going to be set in the eighties. I because, got that vibe also, uh, but, but I yet, don't know. I also found it interesting. We haven't seen Megatron. He was they, not one of the ones that was fixed. Well, and they almost refer to Megatron um at one point in the uh in the book but you know he he's the character's hushed by starscream um so yeah they're building up i think to megatron but i i think to your point wayne i think we're seeing um in the beginning of the book there's some flashbacks to what i can only assume is vietnam um and so that that's what makes me think that this is uh this is set in the 80s you know the lead character wears an orange vest his girlfriend drives a van with like Conan the Barbarian painted on the side of it. Yeah. So it's it's very much got an 80s aesthetic to it. Yeah. One of the things I'm enjoying, too, is it's kind of hard to write humans into these stories and give them something to do. In this mm-hmm. case, without access to all of their technology, the Autobots really needed the humans. From two of them pushing Optimus's gun to him while he's fighting with Starscream right down to they have no idea where they can go to start trying to repair their teammates Mm -hmm. and they need a human to help them hide. But we also see on the Decepticon side, brutal murder. Yeah. They squish a guy. Yeah. I will say that the violence in this book, and here's the thing it's made for people. It's not made for, for kids, right? The comics aren't just for kids anymore. Um, but, you know, I think they, this very much has um, a level of violence that I wasn't expecting, even though some of it's robot on robot villains. But, you know, shooting uh, shooting Bumblebee in the face, I was like, oh, whoa. You know, I, I hope some of this stuff, you know, it's Transformers. It were only an issue one, but I it feels like the stakes are real. Um, and so, you know, like if Bumblebee comes back in the next issue, good as new, you know, then, then I'm going to feel a little eh about that but I, I really it feels to me like we're getting some real stakes right off the bat some humans have died some transformers have have in theory died yeah, and um, ratchet does a call out that uh, the matrix can heal but it can't stop the inevitable there's exactly. nothing they can do to fix jet fire so yeah. that does lead me to think that they can be killed and you can't just repair them from everything yeah and so it bumblebee seems- may come back but jet fire at least now seems D.E.D. dead. Yeah, it seems like the arc probably could bring do more reviving than any other thing they've got, except mm-hmm. they broke its ability to do that. Yeah. So I actually I, 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 I mean, I'm sorry you didn't like it, Aaron. You know, again, Transformers not being your jam. I understand. 
I really liked it, and I'm looking forward to, you know, they're they're building GI Joe out of the same connected universe, the Energon universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, you can you can kind of see the cover of GI Joe number one literally shows Starscream in the background yep. behind Duke. Um, so well, I, and know, I may have to pick up a Void Rival because Shockwave's on the cover of Void Rival yeah, Four. Shockwave. Yeah. Well, and so were the. I don't know how caught, how caught up you are on Void Rival, but um, issue two or three, one of those featured the aliens, um, the Judge, the Quintessons. Like, yeah, the Quintessons from uh, the Transformers the movie. So that was uh, that was pretty cool. So I mean, I'm I'm actually really really liking what they're doing with this Energon universe, and Void Rivals is not blowing my mind, but I think that's just because the lead characters of it are not as interesting as. Optimus Prime and Duke and Clover Commander, um, you know. So now that we're getting to the real meat of it, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and I have never read a GI Joe comic book, but I'm going to give them a try when they start coming out. Yeah, hey, they're written by Joshua Williamson, who we are fans of. Joshua Williamson writes uh, Batman and Robin and Superman, and I think Green Arrow for DC Comics, and now he's writing the GI Joe stuff for Image. That dude is uh, he is a busy dude. Well, yeah, another. Uh tangentially related star wars comic came out this week and uh paul you read gods by jonathan hickman and valerio sheedy they did i gotta tell you um that book is gorgeous yes just gorgeous i spent probably five minutes looking at one panel uh, and it was just an illustration of a martini glass and i was like the color the line work uh it was just uh, just a beautiful beautiful book uh, and I, I say it's tangentially related because they reference the Prometheus pit in uh, in this book. The Prometheus pit is a device that was created in the pages of Micronauts. Oh, we talked snap. about last, last time around. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I can't help but notice that uh, that uh, that it showed up there. Um, and, and it did make me wonder. And I, I, this is not a joke. They re-released the, you know, uh, uh, Legacy Issue 1 of Micronauts last week. There is a Mm. reference uh, to the Prometheus Pit in this great big book from Marvel uh, this week. Uh, Marvel, which also is owned by Disney, which owns Star Wars. So another another point of relationship there. But uh, it makes me wonder, is Marvel getting ready to do something with, with Micronauts, like new stuff? I, I just I, think I, they are because they're also yeah. do, you know they've also re-released um ROM uh huh you know legacy yeah, well, edition and, of ROM and they both have these gigantic omnibus editions coming out in 2024 um both of which I have on my wish list and you know both of which are priced over a hundred dollars but I mean I'm 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 getting kind of giddy over here that something cool is about to happen on those properties yeah nothing announced yet but it it yeah. certainly feels like they're moving that way. Yeah. But uh, hey, highly recommend both Transformers number one and Gods number one for Marvel yeah. Comics. That yeah. book is baller. That book is fantastic. It really is. Fantastic. And now it, re- it is nine dollars, but it is like sixty three pages. Yeah. Of and, content. I mean, and gorgeous pages. I mean, if, mm. if you're familiar with Valerio Shidi, I mean, you you shouldn't be surprised that the pages are gorgeous, but they just are stunning. Mm-hmm. And I I loved the the uh, Library of Worlds meeting that they had and i mean you, I'm, I'm zooming in because i'm reading it digitally zooming in to see all the different characters that are that are drawn in the background it's a really fun book 
I would love to see Hickman do a Star Wars book at some point. Yeah, you know, yeah, he never. He, he's not one of the guys who did a Star Wars book when uh, all the big guys were doing Star no, Wars. No, they got Aaron, they got Jason Aaron, they got uh, uh, Kieran Gillen. Uh huh. But they did not get Hickman to do a Star Wars. And of all the writers, I feel yeah. like he's the one well most well suited to produce something in the Star Wars universe. But maybe he's just not interested. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I know he likes doing original stuff, and you know he he. Uh, you know, wrote all the big books at Marvel there for a little bit left and now he's back. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he's got such a unique touch and I think he's learned a lot from mm-hmm. his indie work. Uh, I, I, I enjoy his storytelling. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Well, you want to actually talk about some Star Wars that's just straight up Star Wars that we're not having to uh, enter into via <laughs> another uh, piece of media? <laughs> I mean, this this episode of Ahsoka, the finale, episode eight, the Jedi, the Witch and the Warlord is so Star Wars. It's more Star Wars than most other Star Wars. That's how Star Wars this episode was. That's right. It's I mean, we got one hundred and nine percent Star Wars. We got so many references to star wars lore we got an appearance from force ghost anakin we got everything in a in a a one-hour package here this week so wayne what'd you think so i kind of expected it to not wrap a lot of things up and it didn't because it's (laughs) building up to the movie that hopefully we actually get uh i really enjoyed the episode but i I wish this series was like a 20 episode series that was covering more story because I didn't feel like I got any sort of closure at all to it. Mm -hmm. It didn't feel like a finale to me. It felt like the next episode that left everything open. And I'm even more frustrated because we know that the actor that plays Balin isn't with us anymore. Right. I want to know the rest of that story. In fact, in this episode, you know, there's not much Balin at all. In fact, really all you get is him standing in front of – I couldn't tell if that was like a castle with a head cut into the wall of it or if it was just a cliff with a head cut cut in the wall. I think it was like a giant statue of a being because I think he was on yeah. the hand. Because it seemed – okay, it seemed very uh, Lord of the Ringsy, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, but – you know, you saw that and you you see him looking off in the distance and that's really it. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm really curious to know how they intended to wrap him up this season before. I mean, was there additional story elements that they had to leave on the floor because of the actor's death? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, mean, that, say, I think this was wrapped up before his death. And it I, was. You know, but will we see? Because these are not to make another Clone Wars reference. But, you know, he he's standing on the statue of one of the Mortis gods, right, which is the, these were introduced in the Clone Wars as, you know, the these ancient godlike beings um, from the planet Mortis. And, you know, they, they represent like the, there's three of them, right? The son represents the dark side of the force. The daughter represents the light and the father is the balance between the two. So they're. But, you know, this is the first time we've seen Peridia mentioned. So it's like this kind of draws into this is where the origin of of the force may have started is on this planet Peridia. 
Wasn't some of that illustrated in the cave paintings in Rebels? Yes. Okay. Thank you. That's. I was like, how do I know this? Because I know I don't. I know I've not seen the episode of Clone Wars that you're referring to, but uh, I, uh, I I am familiar with with what was in the cave painting. Mm, yep. So okay. Yeah, it feels like when they do the movie though, we're not going to have uh, Ahsoka or Sabine in it because. They're still stuck in another galaxy. Well, well and that, I, that, that, that begs the question that I have, because, you know, uh, we we spend the episode with our three heroes, Ahsoka, Sabine and Ezra, trying to get to the fortress in time to stop Thrawn from leaving the this galaxy for our home galaxy in and in, in a galaxy far, far away. Right. Um, that uh, spoilers, th- they're not successful. They get Ezra on the battle cruiser. And uh, Sabine and Ahsoka are left behind. So my question then is, is there an Ahsoka season two before the Filoni movie? Or are we going straight to Filoni movie whenever the hell that gets made? I think if I had a guess, I think we will see the movie. And I think the Ahsoka season two, I mean, maybe we'll see it before. Maybe we'll see it during. Maybe we'll see it after. But I think Ahsoka Basic this series basically took Ahsoka and Sabine off the table for the movie. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that's you know, and so I think this rumored heir to the Empire movie won't feature may feature, you know, some of those classic characters, you know, in the mix with, you know, maybe Hera and Ezra, who I have a thought about Ezra here in a minute, you know, the Mandalorian. I think we'll see some of those characters featured in maybe the heir to the Empire movie. But I think Ahsoka and Sabine are are off the table for the movie, which is an interesting choice. But, you know, story wise, it may serve the the purpose of the story. Yeah. The big question is, will they bring in Luke for heir to the Empire or not? I feel like everyone's expecting them to. I would be shocked if they didn't. But they got to figure out a better way of doing it Um, because, you know, the CG CG Luke is. uh, I have to tell you, I'm ready for him to recast. I think they have to for a yeah, full movie. I, I you can't just you can't do this the CG yeah. young Luke. It doesn't I, work. I, I just you know recast the damn thing. We see it in other in other franchises, and I know that the you know uh, some of that is accepted, some of it isn't. But I think there's there's still space to tell these stories. Uh, this is a huge unexplored area between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. Um, I, I think you recast that damn thing. I think if you want to be effective, you recast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, it, people will, all people will write about is. Yeah. You know, about the CG. It's about the CG. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, Disney has the best AI working their CG. But even so, I think you, I think you got it. They do. They absolutely do. They have the yeah. best CG out there. The best, the best deep fake technology out there. Yeah. It's still not. It still yeah. doesn't fully work, right? Well, and if they do it, all their budget's going to go to that. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that really hurts the other actors' performances, and it limits your ability to, I think, make that character a, a, a really meaningful character other than a cameo, right? I mean, Luke showing up at the end of the, the, the uh, season of Mandalorian you know, to come get Grogu, that's one thing. But having a character on screen who's actually driving story, being all CG all the time, uh, I think that's a mistake. I agree. You know, a human character. A human I mean, character, yeah, right? You yeah. know. Yeah, I just think that's a mistake. So here I am chastising Dave Filoni for something he hasn't even done yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but you know, so I have a couple of thoughts here. Well, one, 
I want to I want to touch on Ezra real quick before I touch on some of these other crazy things that happened to this episode. I feel like there's more to Ezra than meets the eye. I feel like Ezra is a plant. Ooh, like some sort of vegetable alien. Yes, <laughs> like like some sort of plant former. No, I feel I, like I will uh, say he got well, he got off that star he, way he got off easy. of that star destroyer without any issue. He just happened to steal a plane. We didn't see that on screen at all. Yeah, the only thing that makes me think that he's not is that Chopper responded to him before he ever took his helmet off. No, I think he's actually Ezra. I just think he uh-huh. has spent so many years with Ron that maybe he's been possessed. By, oh, you yeah. know, like he, he's been converted. You think maybe he's a, a dark Jedi? Well, and it would maybe. And that would, in theory, also explain why Sabine was able to find him so easily. You know, how he was able to get off the Star Destroyer so easily. You know, it, it, why he's the only one who actually got to return. It feels like maybe he's not all good. See, I hope you're wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but it feels like something's it felt it too feel, convenient. that ended. Yeah, I had that same feeling. I mean, we know we saw him take out a stormtrooper and drag him away to steal the uniform. I wish they would have shown him stealing the shuttle. Yeah, because it, how do you get away without being chased by other TIE fighters? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, why we did didn't he, see him put he, on the uniform. We saw him in the uniform at the end. Yeah, we saw Ooh. him drag away the body, though. Yeah. I, I, you're right. I mean, he really should have come screaming into the uh, into the hangar bay, right? You know, just barely able to land the damn things that's been shot up so much. Yeah, yeah. So I did enjoy. There. I did very much enjoy his lightsaber construction scene. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was a lot of fun, and you know, talking about Kanan and the conversation with Huyen, Huyang, Huyang, whatever. Oh. <laughs> Wu Tang, uh, but uh, I, I I I enjoyed that conversation. I enjoyed the camaraderie in this episode, mm-hmm. and for one moment, I can't believe we've gotten this deep into the episode before discussing it. Oh my God, zombie stormtroopers! Yes, that yeah. was holy cow, that was great. That was so good. Yeah. Zomb- I mean, an actual zombies, right? Like, yeah. yes, they brought them back to life, but that could have just been like some voodoo reanimation. No, when one of their helmets breaks, you straight up see the zombie face yeah. underneath it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and did you notice the the d- dead, deathly looking blue glow inside their helmets mm-hmm. that was shining through the lens? I was like, fuck. I, I leaned forward and I was like, fuck yeah, here we go. <laughs> You know, because what was that uh, that zombie Star Wars novel we read? I was like, yes, I was so excited. Paul. Death Troopers. Yeah, Death Troopers. I, I was just so excited about their appearance in this episode. It was yeah, great. That was so great. Honestly, I loved this episode. I, I mean, I think for me, the one thing, the one thing that that I, there were two things I, I I will say I didn't like. Uh huh. That I hope that one is the either the volume or the green screen. They have got to invest in making it feel less artificial if they're going to do a movie in that thing. Yeah. Um, it, I, you it, know, the it's funny. Was struggling for me. I felt like the budget was really spent in the first two episodes. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, yeah. And the volume work since then, the AR wall work since then has not been nearly as sharp, but I got to come back to another story element that I was <laughs> You know, the three uh, witch ladies, the red witches, the red mothers. Is that what they call them? The red mothers. Uh, is that what they call them? Am I getting that right? I think so. Red mothers. Anyway, so they, they the, the witchy women, uh, they imbue uh, Morgan Elspeth with special sight. And then they gift her this 
ghost sword, right? You know, he's got this ghostly goblin-esque green flame. And, you know, they hand the sword to her like she has been training with a sword all her life. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, um, there is nothing in story so far that tells us that she is trained with a weapon. Right. I mean, is there something that predates uh, Ahsoka that indicates that she knows how to handle a sword? The the the, the villain, the main yeah. villain lady, yeah, um, Morgan Elspeth, Morgan yeah. Elspeth. Yeah, she was yeah. in the, the episode of um, Book of was it Book of Boba Fett. No, it was uh, it was Mandalorian, the episode of Mandalorian that introduced Ahsoka back into live a- or into live action. The the villain in that was Morgan Elsbeth. And, you know, she's taken captive by Ahsoka, but they have this whole battle, you know, before that, before she's taken captive by Ahsoka. And that's what leads into the beginning of this show. And she, ha- she had a sword. Yes, she had a staff, okay. I think, yes, like a staff. giant staff. OK, so they hand her a sword and, you know, I, I'm sorry, I did not recall that she was in Mandalorian, but I'm sitting there going, OK, so they hand her a sword. And then Thrawn's like, yeah, you know, our uh, our zombie troopers really haven't uh, slowed the Jedi down enough. So, uh, hey, you there with the new glowy sword. I'm going to need you to go ahead and stay behind and uh, slow her down. I, I thought that was brutal. Just brutal. I mean, you get get the promotion just to be expendable, basically. Yeah, Yeah. I was was like, man. Yeah, I I really appreciate Thrawn more and more in live action. You get comments like, uh, you know, he learned about Ahsoka based on who Ahsoka's master was. And that's I mean, and that's the only reason he's impressed by her. Right. Yeah, because he knows who Anakin became. And I, I, I love that, you know, I will not underestimate Anakin's, you know, Padawan, apprentice, whatever he called her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I love that that weight that he carries with it. Uh, it's good stuff. It's yeah, good I stuff. honestly I thought it was, you know, the Thrawn, to your point, the more we see of him, he he's really he, he feels like Thrawn. Like, I think I think that actor. Um, he's gosh, smart. He's, yeah, I, I forget his name off the top of my head. And I should know it because he's like uh, Mickelson, Lar- Lars Mickelson, I think. Um, he's really embodied that role and he yes. does such a good job with it. The Empire is constantly failing in everything they're doing mission wise, yet they are accomplishing what he needed for them to do. Like their failures as part of his planning. He doesn't expect them to stop Ahsoka. He just expects them to slow her down. Yeah. And he ends up in the end. He wins. Yeah. He basically got everything he had intended. He got out yeah. maybe with evil Ezra, you know, um, who's now <laughs> a best, plant. His best friend, evil Ezra, evil Ezra. You know, you mentioned Morgan Elsbeth's. Um, well, one, I read this week, which I didn't know, that the actress who plays Morgan Elspeth is Diana Lee Inosanto, and she is the daughter of martial arts legend Dan Inosanto, who trained under Bruce Lee. Um, and so that's why her middle name's Lee, because Bruce Lee was her godfather. Huh. So, that, I don't know, just a cool connection. No, that um, is a cool connection. But yeah, I, I she, 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 you know, not only did she get left behind... She got her she head got dead. Yeah, she yeah. got dead. Hardcore dead. I mean, I just I love the thump thump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, but I was really sad about that because I was like, OK, well, I want to learn more about this new glowy sword. And uh, well, I, I, guess, I guess we're not going to get any more story on that unless no. we get, you know, zombie Elspeth. Hey, you never know. You never know. You never know. I, I, I got to tell you, the 
if I got nothing else out of Ahsoka season one, I got zombie death troopers. I just, yeah, right. Like, oh my God. I need them to load those guys on a bus and bring them back home. Cause, uh, that just brings a whole new level of terror to, uh, to the empire. And can I just say, even dead, these guys, you know, they don't shoot any better dead than they do a lot. They suck. I'm like, how hard is it to hit two people running away from you who aren't even zigging or zagging or looking for cover? <laughs> <laughs> I don't at least, get that. As, at least as zombies, it makes sense that they wouldn't be good shots. Right. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they lost none of their adeptness at, you know, firing a gun in death. They're just <laughs> as bad de- dead as they are alive. I yeah. Just, well, and they don't need to take them with them. They took the mothers with them. They can That's make true. new they ones. The night, the night mothers. That's yep. what they were. Don't worry about those. We'll make more, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, and there's some still left on the planet, it seems, right? So, you know, at the end. It does know, make me wonder that when the when the fortress fell, mm-hmm. right, um, they're zombies. So as long as they weren't, like, you know, crushed into paste, they could still be romping around. Yeah. You know, so and I, there was know, a we, camp of them, right? If I remember correctly, or maybe those were not zombie troopers. Those were nomads. Oh, those nomads. The, yeah. Oh, that's right. Those were the nomads. That Shinhati. Shinhati. She, she found her some. She found her some nomads. Yeah. I, so the ending, you know, it's. I'm. I'm very curious if the ending, the way it ended with Ahsoka on the plane, like maybe the whole Ezra got out, Hera stuff. You know, that's setting up the movie. Maybe what's left on the planet is setting up Ahsoka season two, which seems like they certainly had a plan for Balin, Skull, Shin, Hati, um, you know, Ahsoka and Sabine on the planet. So maybe that's what we'll see in Ahsoka season two, which hasn't been announced, but I've got to imagine they've there's a got plan to for do it. a season two. I feel like this was pretty successful. Yeah, uh, I really I, I try to avoid all the review and and whatnot chatter. Uh, while we're doing these, just because I don't want to get spoiled on something. Uh, so I have no sense as to as to what the Star Wars news has been. But it feels like this has been pretty darn successful. Yeah, and it, fe- it feels like by throwing them out there, if they don't come back, they can use that to tell whatever stories they want. Well, and I wonder if it's setting up some kind of are, are we going to have some ongoing storytelling on this planet? Right. You know, because it seems like you got something going on there with Balin. You got something going on there with Shen Hadi. You got something going on there with with any possible surviving death troopers. We know that Balin's looking for that secret power there, which I guess is these, you know, old gods. Um, I we I feel like there's probably another season of Ahsoka on this planet. I, I, I absolutely there's there's too much invested in this story for them to, to not continue it. Yeah. And, you know, the, 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 for me, the question is whether this Peridia planet that they've introduced, you know, with the, 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 the gods of Mortis is going to play into that origin of the force movie that was it James Logan, the director is supposedly doing. Um, so, you know, or, or if it's just for the, the show. So, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Lots, well, lots I, of unanswered questions. I feel like Ahsoka was a was a a winner. Uh, you know, if I'm if I'm rating successful episodes versus less successful episodes, I would say it was a ninety percent win this season yeah. on this show. I, I gotta tell you, I really enjoyed it. I really yeah, enjoyed the show it. Even, was great. The finale was great. It just left me wanting more. 
Yeah. Well, and it, it left me wanting more knowing that there's a movie out, you know, next spring. Right. I mean, the fact that there's a movie coming sometime is a little irritating given, you know, how we how things have been left. Yeah. Agreed. So. Like there's a there's far too much left unanswered for us to wait three years or something yeah. because they but, haven't even started filming what comes next. But I will say it it feels a little Empire Strikes Backsy, right? That, you know, it's it's a win and it's not a win, you know, in terms of the ending, the you know, your your characters are left in dire circumstances. And yeah, you know, we're, we're on the upswing, but there is this horrible threat out there. We don't know what's what's going to happen to our characters in either setting. Right. You know, bad things are going to happen with Thrawn there. So we've got some real rich story elements for upcoming uh movies and tv series and i gotta say been a while since star wars could say that right Fair. i mean because you know obi-wan being a prequel uh Andor being a prequel as as wonderfully told as that story is you know it's it's hard to feel like you're generating new story elements and not just exploring things that were dropped in the past in the past um i i like what they've done here you know, it, it feels like kind of like what we were talking about at the end of Picard season three. Like, give me that Star Trek legacy right now. Right. That it's, yeah. it's telling the kinds the kinds of of stories that you want in this universe. And that's very much how I feel right now is that this these these are Star Wars stories. By God, tell me more. Right. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's how I felt at the end of Star Trek. You're finally telling me some decent Star Trek. Gimme, gimme. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I'm eager. I, I can't wait to see where this goes. I just wish we had a roadmap to uh, when we're going to find out. Yeah, what we see right now, what they've said of release schedule, Skeleton Crew is 2023, and I still don't know what that is. That's the Jude Law TV series, and I haven't. I don't think that's coming out in 2023. I, I think they're. I mean, I think it was intended to, but it, it certainly feels like yeah, we would have seen a trailer out, by now. If it was coming out this year, we'd have a date. Yeah. Yeah, it's October. That thing's not yeah. coming out till till yeah, you know, 2024. Yeah. The Acolyte season one, mm-hmm. which I don't know what that is either. Andor I, season I, two, both of those are 2024. Yeah, and then all of the movie, they, we have dates for movies, but they're all untitled, and we don't know which one is which. Yeah. Two in 2016, one in 2027. Did so, you say 2016? 2026. Okay. I, I I was like, wow, we're doing we're going back to the world between worlds to uh, you know, <laughs> traveling. The past. <laughs> if if we did, could we undo some things? <laughs> I think that we would have to Jar Jar, for instance. <laughs> well, I, 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 I like I said, I thought Ahsoka season one and I'm going to call it season one because I am anticipating a season two. Uh, I, I thought this was uh, was great stuff. Highly recommend. Yeah, agreed. So. I really, really successful first season for that. And for this show as well look at that nice way to tie that in well hey we want to know what you thought about all of ahsoka season one what you thought about transformers number one or even gods number one give us a shout at star wars at iomgeek.com and if we use your message on a show you could win a coveted valuable ideology of madness surprise 
You can also hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, or X. And heads up, fans, we probably will not drop a new Star Wars with Aaron and Polly episode next week unless there is some brilliant news to discuss. But we will continue to light up your feeds as the weeks uh, progress with uh, more Star Wars uh, discussion and commentary. Yeah. Absolutely. So, like I said at the beginning of the show, check us out on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. And if you're subscribed to Star Wars with Aaron and Polly, definitely give us feedback on what you'd like to hear us talk about. Obviously, we we, we have discussed doing a rewatch of the movies, but it probably won't be weekly content. But we will be back to Aaron's point. That's right. All right, guys. Well, we'll uh, we'll uh, do this again soon. Thanks a bunch. Take care. Guys, I uh, I hope the force is with you this week and also with you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye guys. <laughs>